Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Bob the Builder, right? Well, today we're going to talk about building our families. So uh, if you go ahead and take out your message notes that are inside your program, we're going to get started with that. And today I'm very excited because we're going to talk about the family over the next couple of weeks, and I hope that you will make an effort to be here. How many of you agree with me that, that as the family goes, so goes the church? Do you agree with that? As the church goes, so goes the community. And as the community goes, so goes the state. And as the state goes, so goes the country. And so it all starts with family. God, family was God's idea. I want you to know that family is God's idea. God thought it up. God's the one that created it. He thought it up. Matter of fact, if you just go ahead and just look on your outline, we'll see that uh, Genesis 1, it begins to kick off this uh, message about the family. Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, and what? Subdue it, right? Would you circle those two words? Subdue it. I'll come back to that. He says, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Now, I want to go back to that word subdue it. The word subdue actually means to govern, to be in control, to be in charge. So I want you to know that God's idea of government when he created was that it would be the family. It would be a husband and wife and children ruling the earth. That's what God's idea was. Do you know this? Do you know that the stronger the family, the less government we need? The stronger the family, the less government we need. Just think about it. The stronger the family, the less police officers we need. The stronger the family, the less jails we need. The stronger the family, the, the less... Uh, you know, that we need like orphanages or anything like that. And so the weaker the family, the more government you need. And so God created, and I'm not anti-government, but I'm just telling you that the solution to a lot of our problems is stronger families. Do you agree with that? I was at a meeting last week with, um, with a, uh, a, a coalition for peace, and it was with our police officers, it was with other pastors, it was uh, with members of our community, uh, and and. One of the things the police officers said to me was this, or to all of us. They said, listen, please parent your children. And he said, one of the greatest issues that we have today is that, you know, parents will not uh, parent their children. We're having to do that, and it's causing all kinds of conflict. And so, so that's a big issue. And so today I want you to look at, uh, uh, look at a couple of things. We want to look at five things, and that is this. Five things I want us to look at into in building a family and the things that we learn in building a family. You ready? Let's start this off. The first one I want you to go ahead and write this down. Is Would you write this off? In building a family, we'll learn to connect with others. Would you write that down? We learn to connect with others. 
Connecting is the first building block of our family. It's the first building block. It's learning to connect. As a matter of fact, if you'll look on your outline, God created this this way. Look what he says in Genesis 2 and 18. It says, the Lord God said, would you read what's underlined out loud with me? Come on, let's read it out loud. You ready? Here we go. It is not good for man to be, to be alone. That was God that said that. Now look, God created everything, right? I mean, God created Adam. God created all the animals. created everything. And then God said, you know, he looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. When he said that, I want you to know that as you read that, doesn't it sound like that Eve was an afterthought? Like, okay, well, you know, one lady told me one time, she said, you know, God looked down at man and said, mm, I can do better than that. Created Eve. <laughs> I know some of you would agree with that, right? Just, let's don't even go there anymore. But, but anyways, <laughs> as you know, as, 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 as God created, that wasn't, that wasn't the, uh, an afterthought. Eve wasn't an afterthought. God wanted Adam to understand what it was like to be incomplete. And so God created Eve to complete. Now notice that, that in that part of that, that God, that there was God and it was Adam and, and all the animals. And God said still that Adam was alone. So even with God in the picture, he was still alone. But God, when God created Eve and, and all of a sudden there was a complete picture, it was, it was God and it was Adam and Eve. And that is the perfect family. That's the way God wants. Every family should be that. Husband and wife and God. Start like that. And then when the children come in, it's passed on. So it was God's idea. So we understand that in our world today that we get so disconnected. We're so connected to everything that we're disconnected to our families. You know what? I was telling the first service this, that uh, one guy Facebooked me this, a friend request. Friend requested me, and I went to accept his friend request. And when I did, a message popped up on my phone that says, he can't can't accept any more friends. His friends are full. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what number does that have to be, you know? I mean, what is that, 10,000? I don't know. But all of a sudden, you know, he wanted to be friends with me, but because he's got so many friends, he can't have me as a friend. So I said, forget you. You know I'm done. I was like, man... And so, like, how big is that? So this guy would say, I'm connected, you know. He's, just because you got 10,000 friends on Facebook does not mean that you're connected to the people in your home. And so I would say today, we have to work on those connections. you agree with that? I mean, we have to work harder now. Why? Because we're connected 24-7. Listen, the greatest, in it, the greatest tool the enemies used against us in connecting with our families is called the smartphone. Because all of us are walking around like this. I mean, I almost walked into something the other day. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy, but I was almost that guy, you know? Trying to return a text or do something, you know, while I was walking. And I can tell you that in our families, we have to be careful with that. Because if we're not careful, guess what? We're going to spend a lot of our time trying to connect with people that we don't even matter to, and we lose the most important relationship. So if we want to connect, we want to learn how to connect. So... I want to give you a tip today on how to do that, how to connect. Well, the first thing I would say to you is this, is that we're learning to connect, that we have to rediscover the power of touch. There is power in touch. Do you know that when a mother is expecting a child, that uh, the baby feels her touch by her heartbeat? As her heart beats, the amniotic fluids within her vibrate, and the baby feels that touch. 
That's why the, like when a child is born, when a, when a child is born, the first thing they want to do is put that child into that mother's hands because of that touch it's so used to. Matter of fact, Pastor Chris shared last week about how that his wife Jessica almost lost her life uh, giving birth to their son. And she was in ICU for, uh, for like a week uh, in a coma. And as soon as she come out of that, the first thing when she was in ICU, they, sh- they said they weren't supposed to do this, but the first thing they did was brought their baby and put it in her arms. And by doing that, because it was so important that that child learned that touch, the touch of the mom, it needs that. Would you agree with me that a touch can be healing at times? You know, that's why, that's why with children, right, when, when they fall down, scrape their knee or whatever, the first thing they do is what? They come running up, mom, dad, or whatever. They're crying. As a matter of fact, uh, some of them say, kiss it. You ever seen those funny videos? Kiss it, kiss it, kiss it. You know why? Because it's something about a touch that heals pain. I can tell you this, it doesn't have to be a child. There's been times in your life and in my life when something's happened. And thank God for the person that come by and held us, right? I remember being behind a person that, that had a car wreck and the daughter was in very bad shape and the mom got out. She didn't know what to do and while they were working trying to get her out, all of a sudden reaching out, that woman reaching for me and me reaching for her and just holding her and hugging her somehow seemed to relieve the pain. It's power in touch. And in our society today, we've become a touchless society, right? I mean, like, how many of you, how many of you like those paper towel holders make a fool out of you? You ever been in the bathroom, like, and you try, you go some new place, and, and you know, you, you got to try to get a paper towel, and so now, we don't know, do we push something, or we wave something, what do we do? I mean, like, I have been there, like, whoa, like I'm doing karate or something, you know, over that, like, whoa, what is it, and, and then finally, all, you know, after people are watching me, somebody says, oh, you got to push the bar, you know, you got try to turn water on to wash your hands, right? I mean, there's no, no, so you're waving your hands all over the place, you know. You can't, finally you go to the next sink and hoping to God it works. We're in a touchless society, but that, that touchless society is rubbed off on us. And, and so in our homes, we don't touch anymore. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't hold each other anymore. And I would tell you today that if you want to awaken in your family, you want to awaken connection, is that you learn to touch. And so today, right now, I just want you to practice this. You may not know the person beside you, but would you just reach over and say, hello, and grab their hand and shake it. Would you do that right now? Come on. Hello. Wow. Some of you feel better already, right? Listen, quit asking for phone numbers, all right? Just talk to the singles right now. Yes. So you know what? So I'm going to tell you this, the power of touch that begins to heal things. So I'm going to challenge you to do that. You know, in my house, I sort of have this motto, and some of you have heard me say this, but my motto is, don't bug me, hug me. Don't bug me, hug me. And you know, my daughter, she hates it when I say that. She comes, I say, she'll start saying, come here, come here. Don't bug me, hug me. Don't bug me, hug me. You know what? If you want your marriage to get better, make sure that you're touching. A pat on the back, a hug, a kiss, touch. If you want your relationship with your children better, make sure that you're touching. 
Give them a hug. Give them a pat on the back. Give them a kiss on the forehead. Just touch them. I know it's going to gross them out. They're going, oh, this is sick. Don't do this. Matter of fact, you know, my daughter's 20 now. My son's 24. And every once in a while, they'll come over to the house. I still, I just go sit on their lap now. They're like, that's all right. You can do all you want to. But you know, deep inside, they're going, thank God. Touch him. So you have a challenge on the back of your connection card that says this. He says, I will make an effort to give more touches to my family. Would you do that right now? Because that's the power of connecting. It's through touch. So I want to give you a tool. So when you get out of here today, you can practice this, and you will get closer as a family if you learn to touch. All right? Now, I know all you people that hate touches are going, why is he saying this? Well, you're just going to have to endure it. That's all I can say. All right? Okay, number two. Let's let's, uh, read this. Number two. You ready? The second building is this. In building a family, we learn to grow our character. In families where we learn to grow our character. It's our, it's our second building block. It's learning to grow our character. Now, I want to talk to you parents just a second. And so you teenagers, just hold on with me a minute. I want to tell you this as parents and grandparents. I want you to know this. Look at me just a second. I want to tell you the most important job you have. The most important job that you have as a parent and grandparent is this is teaching your children to live a life without you, but with God. Did you hear that? The number one job that you have, it doesn't mean like, okay, does that mean like I'm going to leave them? No, it just means that they have to learn to function without you, without you in the picture. They have to be able to get along in life without you. And we're going to talk about that more as this this goes on about, you know, how the the Bible says that the husband is to leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Why? Because, listen, if if the guy is still attached to his mama, he can't attach to his wife, right? And if she's still attached to daddy and mama, she can't attach to her husband. So we have to learn to live without our parents being there all the time. And that's our number one job. To live without us, but with God. So we have to put a faith inside of them, right? And so we have to instill that within them. So we have to make God the centerpiece. Now, this was instilled in us, like years ago. Now, some of you are not going to know what I'm talking about here. When Rhonda and I got married, let me just back up and say this. When Rhonda and I got married, we got this Bible. Okay, now this is what you call a Bible, right? This is one of those, if you're going to thump people with, you take this one, Right? If you're going to go out and you're going to beat people in the head with a Bible, you take this Bible, right? Not the one that I use. But someone gave us a family Bible. And years ago, now some of you are going to remember this. Years ago, we used to have what was called coffee tables in our living area. Anybody remember that? Coffee tables, okay. You had a coffee table in the living area. And on that coffee table, you had a family Bible. Most people had one laying on the coffee table. Anybody remember that? Okay. We had it. Now, what was amazing about that? You know, when I grew up in my home was not Christian, but we had a family Bible laying on the coffee table, and I heard all kind of curse words go over this Bible. Not this particular one, but the one that was there. And I heard all kinds of things, but guess what? It was there just to remind us that God was important. And even though I didn't grow up in a Christian home, guess what? They were aware of God. And my grandmother, she valued that Bible. Now, she's become a Christian since then, but she valued the principles because it was always there. And so I would just say this to you that maybe that's a lesson that we need to think about how we can bring it back out. You know, this Bible left our living room, and now it's, it's in our bedroom. It's on a 
on a, a, a dresser drawer, a dresser right beside our bedroom. I guess that's the right word. I don't know. A little table beside our bed. I don't know what Rhonda calls it. But anyways, it's there. Remind us about God. And I want to tell you that if you're going to have a home that's going to be built and you're going to have character, your kids are going to have character, they've got to have more than your words. Your words, what you say will just pass away. But what you say about God and, and God's word, what you put into them, will never go away. And so it's character. Listen, the number one thing that we want from people around us is people that we can trust. Would you agree with that? If you're going to have a, listen, if you're going to, if you want to go up in school, if you want to go up in college, you want to go up in work, you want to go up anywhere in relationship, you have to have trust. And the only way that people will trust you is you keep your word and you be a person of character. And that only comes when you practice God's word. If you want to do right, you have to know what's right. And it's only through knowing God's word. So I just want to tell you, as parents, listen, still that. And look what the Bible says in Psalms 1. One through three. Now I'm going to read, the, let's read these first three words out loud, and I want you to circle them, okay? Now I want you to read them out loud. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. You ready? God blesses. Now doesn't that get your attention? I mean, like, when, I just, when we just read that, I mean, like, aren't your ears, like, perking up right now? Like, okay, God blesses who? Don't you want to know who God blesses? I mean, when I read the Bible and I say God blesses those, I circle those words because I want to know who God blesses. He says this, God blesses those who do not walk with the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with those who make fun of God and good. Notice that. Instead, they love what? They love God's word. And they think about it day and night. They're like trees growing by the riverbank that produce bare fruit and don't dry up. As a result, they succeed in what? Do you want to succeed in everything? Do you want your children to succeed in everything? Then maybe, just maybe, we need to point them back to the book. Because God is the one that helps you succeed and your children succeed. I know you think if you're hanging out with the coolest people, you'll succeed. And I know if you think if you're you know, hanging out with other people, you, or you just know the right person, you know, because the world teaches us, you know, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I'm telling you, that's partially true. If you know God and His Word, then He can help you. He can help you. You know, as I was um, preparing this, I was thinking about, uh, I was actually listening to last week's message that would, our, in our 155 student ministry that happens here on Sunday evening at 6 for our middle school students to our high school students. And Stacia Keller was actually giving the message. She's a high school student. And she was speaking, and I heard her say this in her message. She said, you know what? She said, I can't believe it, but sometimes when I talk, my mom and dad's words just fall right out of my mouth. She said, I don't like that. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Like you said the stuff your parents say. You know, here's what I want you to know. As a parent, here's what I want you to know. You, your children are never going to do what you tell them to do 100% of the time. They're just not going to do it. But they never fail. They never fail to do this. They never fail to do what you do. Did you hear that? What you say, like, you know, you should do this and you should do that. And everything you tell them, they're not going to. But what you do, they will eventually do. And that's what happens with you and me, is that we find ourselves doing, like, mirror, mirror on the wall, I am my father after all. <laughs> that day will come, my friend. It will come. It will come. So more is caught than taught. And so when they're smaller, we, we read Bible stories to them. But when they're older, 
Won't you let them catching you read the Bible? Why don't you just get a place, you know, maybe if they come in at night or, or, or whatever, just find a place to where they can see you read the Bible. I, I remember one time I was scarred as a, as, a, um, as a teenager. My dad, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, my dad was sitting there in his underwear reading the Bible. I'm like, oh, 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 man, come on. In his boxers, you know, I'm like, dad. But that, I guess that scarred me enough that one thing I remembered, he was reading the Bible. That challenges you and changes you. So I say, just put your pants on, but read the Bible, all right? <laughs> yes. Proverbs 22 and 6, look what it says. It says, teach children how they should live, and they will remember it how long? That's right, you teach them God's Word, and they'll remember it all their lives. Let me just say one more thing before we move on here. Some of you parents and grandparents are sitting here today, your children are older and they've turned away from what you said to them and what you taught them. And you feel bad about it. I just want to tell you this. Number one, this, is that you are responsible for what you teach your children, but you are not responsible for their choices. Once they get of age, once they, you know, once they get up to 16, 17, and on up to 30, 40 years old, you are not responsible for their choices. You can't control that. But here's what I want to tell you. What you put inside of them is not going to leave them. Even though they're doing something that you totally disagree with, that God totally disagrees with, what you put inside them is still there talking to them. Amen? So we have to teach our children. So what I'd like you to do, talking about reading the Bible, I have a next step for you on your connection card. It says this. It says, I will make an effort to read the Bible daily at o'clock. What time is that going to be? Is that going to be like 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning? Is it going to be 7 at night? What time is that going to be? Why don't you just set it up where your kids can see you read the Bible, even if it's only 10 minutes. Okay, number three, you ready? Number three is this. In building a family, we learn to serve. Would you write that word down? We learn to serve. Put my other building block up here, because I am Bob the Builder today. Families grow or share. I'm sorry. What, no, serve, I'm right. All right, am I in the right place? Yes, I am. I don't know where I'm at right now. Am I a Stockbridge Community Church? Okay. Learn to serve. I tried to skip ahead. Learn to serve. How many of you would say, you know what, I want my kids to be happy? How many of you want your children to be happy? Okay. Now, how many of you that don't have children just want to be happy? Let me see your hands. All right? Okay, there's a few over here. All right. The rest of you, God bless you. But in order to be happy, what we, what we found out in our, in our culture is this, is our culture said in order for us to be happy as parents and as children and as grandparents, is that we have to build our self-esteem. You know, what that word esteem means actually is value. We have to learn to build our self-value. And that is partly true, but I can tell you, if you just leave it just there, then you're going to be miserable. It's the problem with our culture, we build our children's self-esteem so high, but we forget to build their self-respect. You see, you, you build self-respect by what you do for other people. It's not what you do for yourself. When you, you know, like yesterday, we did this pump it up a bit here with the gas station. And many of you were here serving. And I guarantee you, as you were serving other people, you felt valued and you felt like you were adding value. When you add value to, uh, add value to others, guess what? Your value goes up. If you want your kids to feel good about themselves, teach them to do for other people. And once they serve other people, they'll feel good about themselves. Did you agree with that? That when you do good for somebody else, you feel good. You know, we think the Bible teaches us just to be good. But no, the Bible teaches us to do good. And once you do good, then you feel good. 
And so to build up their self-respect. The Bible says this. In Philippians 2 and 3, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let us what? Esteem. Say that word. Let's say it together. Ready? Esteem. Oh, doesn't that sound spiritual? Esteem. Put a little hob. Esteem. Ah. What does that mean? It means value. Let us value. Look what he said. Let us value or esteem others better than ourselves. And so once we learn to do that, once we teach our kids that value comes through serving, we teach them to serve. And let me just tell you, man, don't make the mistake that Ron and I made. We had to make an adjustment with our kids when our son was about a junior in high school. See, we thought it was our responsibility as parents to go out and fight all their fights for them, fight all the battles for them, do everything for them, you know, help them. And we would not let our children fail. We did stupid stuff to try to keep them from, you know, try to help them up. We didn't want them to fail. Well, I want to tell you something. It's better that they learn to fail in your home than to get out there and fail all alone, right? And that's a, that's, that's a problem we have today as a culture. Matter of fact, a lot of kids are really messed up because they had no responsibilities. And then we put them out. We send them off to college or off to a job. And they're like, what is this? And they have a meltdown and a breakdown. It really is an issue in our culture today. Teach your kids with responsibilities. Okay, let's go to number four. You ready? Number four is to this. In building a family, we learn to serve or to share. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Just hold on with me. Shoot, I don't know. We'll get through this. Just only hang on with me. We learn to share. Let me get my block here. So we're building our home. We learn to share. It's the greatest thing this, is that when families learn to share, they're close. Would you agree with that? When you learn to share, you're close. When we were, when, you know, when we were smaller, of course, it's not like it is today, and I know some of you here today will not understand this, but many of you will. It's like there was a lot of kids in a small house. Like, I mean, like, it was like crazy. Like, we shared everything. Like, and, you know, I shared a bed with my brother until I moved out, and then I shared a bed with Rhonda. Now, the second part was better, I can tell you that. You know, I mean, like we shared every, we shared bedrooms, we shared bathrooms, we shared toys, we shared everything. I mean, like it's your birthday, you know, your birthday. You get a present on your birthday, and you get something, and your parents like, you know, you get this for your birthday, and then they say, "Now, Jeff, you got to share." I'm like, wait a minute, that was my cake, right? This is my toy, right? It's your, yes, it's your toy, but you got to share with your brothers and sisters. And we had to learn how to do that. I'm like, oh, this isn't just mine. And today, you know what? Today we buy our kids their own things and they don't have to share. But man, learning to share is what brings us closer together, right? And learning to share. And, and let me just say something to you young families here today. You young married people. Let me tell you something. You know what? You're worried about trying to get to the next house so you can have a bigger home. You think it'll make your kids happier? It won't. Let me tell you. You know what studies have shown? The smaller the house, the closer the family. Don't feel the pressure to have to go out and buy a house you can't afford and work 40, uh, 80 hours a week to pay for and not be there with your family. Listen, don't worry about it. Enjoy where you are in life. Don't think you have to have that. Enjoy where you are. Enjoy where you are. The Bible says this. Look what it says in Proverbs 22 and 9. Generous people will be what? They'll be blessed. 
And that's what we're doing. We're just like we're building this house block by block. We're building lives one day at a time as we're instilling into our families. And we're going to have strong families at SEC. We believe that. How many of you would say, you know what? I would like to be remembered after I leave this world. Anybody else beside me like that? Yes, I would like to. I mean, like, shoot, I know that I know that soon they put me in the ground and they go back to the back to wherever they're going to have the meal. The, the first question is going to be asked is, will you pass me the mashed potatoes? They're going to forget all about me, you know? But hopefully something that happens that they'll remember. And you know what? You know how you're remembered? How, the way that you're remembered is not by what you get, but it's by what you give. You remember, just think about all the people that you know that you respect throughout history, whether it be Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, whoever. It's not by what they got in life, it's what they gave with their lives, right? And it's what you give that you're remembered by, the things that you do. And we need to teach our children to remember that. Okay, the last one is this. Would you write this down? In building a family, we learn to love. We learn to love. Wow, I'm talented, boy, I'm telling you what. Bob didn't have anything on me. <laughs> we learn to love. Love is what caps it all off. Without love, there'll be no connecting. Without love, we will not grow in our character. We will not have character. Without love, we will not serve. And without love, we certainly will not share. You know, this roof is like, it's the covering of all. Just like the roof protects everything inside. Love protects everything inside of you. And it's what's on the inside that matters the most. You, you know what? Love is what helps you do this. Love helps you fight with each other so later you can fight for each other. Do you agree with that? Love, you know, like, and I'm not necessarily talking about physically fighting, but I'm talking about having arguments and all that. In home, it's important to have arguments in your home because that's where you learn how to manage differences, right? That's where you learn all of that stuff at, is in your home. And so, yeah, matter of fact, uh, my sister uh, and I, my stepsister actually about the same age, and we fought all the time. I mean, we just fought all the time. They couldn't stand each other. And then we get on up in, in high school, you know, and, and we're working and we're not seeing each other as much. And, and I don't know what happened, but one day, one evening I was at home, like I'm talking about 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and someone calls our house. Now, you've got to remember, in that day, in, you know, like far, a land far, far away, there was phones that were hooked to the wall, and there was a cord on the end of that phone and receiver, okay? Far, far away. Some of you have to Google that. So when you had a conversation, to get privacy, you had to have a 40-foot cord on the phone, right? Okay, some of you remember that. You walked around, you know, and so someone Jeff the phone. I went to answer the phone, and there was this young lady on the other end, the girl, she said, hey, Jeff. I'm like, hey, what's up? And then I can't remember, she told me her name, and she said, Jeff, I just want to tell you I'm very sorry for what I said about you. I didn't know she said anything about me. She said, and will you please tell your sister that I said, I'm sorry, bye. My sister, she had said something. I don't know what she said. But my sister didn't like it. 
And she went and told her, she don't talk about her brother like that. Now, if you would have just stepped that back just a, a, you know, a few years ago, my sister would have like, take him, you can have him, you know? But in our home, we learn how to do that. We learn how to fight with each other so that we can fight for each other, right? We can stay together. That's why I say blood is thicker than water. And that's the same way it works in God's, ha- God's house. In God's house, through love, we connect, we grow in our character, we serve one another, and we share all because we love. What the world needs more of now is love. Would you agree with that? Why? Because love makes us connect. Love makes us grow in our character. Love makes us serve. And love helps us to share. Love is the answer. Love is the answer. But here's the problem. Look at the next verse on your outline. 1 John 4 and 16. Would you read these first three words? Let's shout them out loud together. You ready? Here we go. You ready? God is Let's do that one more time. You ready? God is love. God is love. If we keep on loving others, we will stay one in our hearts with God. And He will stay one with us. Here's the deal. Many of us are walking around without a roof on our house. We're trying to do it all like that. And it's not working. We've done everything that everybody's set to do and it's not working. And today I want to challenge you to put the roof on your home. And that is love. You see, you cannot experience love. You can't freely give what you have not freely received. And some of you today are still struggling that God loves you. You're struggling with that. You're like, you don't feel loved. It's hard to give love when you don't feel loved. I mean, like some of you are, you know, your marriages right now are, are just sort of a mess and you don't feel loved. Some of you, you know, your relationship with your children is sort of a mess and you just don't feel loved. And some of you, your relationship with your parents are just a mess and you don't feel loved. And because you don't feel love, it's just all messed up. You know, you're just like, you don't feel it. So because you don't feel it, you can't give it. I want to tell you what, no matter what's going on in your life, God loves you. And He is the source. And when I accept that God loves me, that He loves me no matter, He just loves me. When I accept that He loves me, it's that moment that I receive it. And when I receive God's love, guess what? When I receive God's love, then... I can freely give love. You cannot freely give what you have not freely received. And that is God's love. Today I want to I pray with you. As our children start back to school tomorrow, they need to know that they're loved. Sometimes your children aren't the easiest thing. To, it's not easy to love your children sometimes, is it? You're scared to move right now. You go, oh, God, I ain't saying nothing. But he's right, Lord. He's right. Sometimes, you know, as a, as a child, it's not easy to love your parents either, is it? No, it's not. But I want to tell you something. Through God, you can do it. And love never fails. I want to give you an opportunity today. There's a prayer inside of your program. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. That's where it starts, our connection with God. Today, I want to offer you an opportunity to make that connection. You can read the prayer. You can say it. And listen, if you mean this in your heart, God's going to hear you. And the only thing I ask you to do is I ask you to check it on the back of this connection card. It said, I pray the prayer to become a Christ follower. 
so that we can follow up with you and give you information that will help you on your journey. Would you stand with me right now? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for the families in our church and I want to pray for our children. Today, I just, listen, as we pray, I just want you to envision God's hand coming down and touching you today, the power of touch, and just telling you that I love you. Would you, let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. Father, I ask you that your Holy Spirit would help us. And today, God, we just, Lord, as, as we just pray right now, we just see you, God, reaching your arms out to us, and Lord, pulling us in and, and giving us that hug that we need. Lord, giving us that touch that we need that will heal the pain and help it. God, today we receive your love as we build our families, Lord, to connect, to grow, to serve, and to share that we may have a life that's meaning. Lord, I pray for our children. Lord, as our students get ready to go back to school and our children, God, I pray that you would protect them. God, anyone that means harm toward them, I pray, oh God, that you would stop them and we rebuke them in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask you to let your angels be around our children, oh God, that you would protect them. And Holy Spirit, that you walk with them every step of the way, every day. And God, when we cannot be there, you will be there. We have that assurance. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our prayer team's going to be down. And if you'd like for someone to pray with you today, please come and let them pray with you. Come on, let's worship together. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.